Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. And we have some leaders in the fields of conservation and wildlife education right here in the Northwest with some great zoos, one of which is the Cougar Mountain Zoo in Issaquah. We welcome Sasha Hendricks, their education curator today. Sasha, welcome. Thanks for coming. Thank you and good morning. Good morning. I'm glad to have you here. And I'll tell you why, because the Cougar Mountain Zoo is, you know, for a lot of people, this is a cool little place we've got. It's not one of these giant, you know, sprawling over the top things. It's it's a, it's got a lot going for it. And I kind of want to say that maybe a lot of people don't know about it or know enough about it, and that's kind of why I want to have you here this morning. How about a, a quick, I don't know, once-over on the Cougar Mountain Zoo? Issaquah, I guess I'll start with, right? Yeah, exactly. So we uh, are located in Issaquah, Washington, uh, the small suburbs just outside of Seattle. Uh, we actually uh, came up out in 1972. So even though we've been around for a little bit, we are still progressively growing. Uh, we reside currently on about eight to nine acres with a few more acres to grow. But as you mentioned, we are small and we focus on that fact to be more intimate. So it makes that ability for people to come and visit and really get to know our species and our staff there and what they can do for animals around the world and conservation as well. And the, if you can tell us about the facility itself and its location and how it, how it looks, you know, when we drive up. You bet. So we have a fantastic view, actually, of Lake Sammamish and the Cascade. So we reside on the north slope of Cougar Mountain. So when you see that sign just off of I-90, that's us. And when you um, come into our parking lot and you enter in our gates, the first exhibit you see are beautiful cougars. So we figured being on Cougar Mountain, it's pretty important to have cougars at our facility. Well, that, that's the that is the, that's where I was going to go first, Sasha. So yeah, Cougar Mountain Zoo, the the mountain out there is called Cougar Mountain, the one with a lot of TV and radio antennas mm-hmm. on it. Uh, ours being one of them. <laughs> but yeah, it's Cougar Mountain, and you have cougars. How about a little? I don't know what are some of the diversity of animals. So I know you got cougars, yes, but you also have wolves and tigers, right? We do. So we focus mainly on um, endangered and unique species, and then from there, mammals and birds. So for our collection, we have our beautiful four male Bengal tigers, our wolf pack as well as gray wolves, and then we have a variety of different tropical birds, so varying from certain macaw species to parrots to cockatoos, and then we kind of focus a little bit more on a variety of other ones like our wallabies, uh, emus, cranes, and of course our Siberian reindeer. Ah, the reindeer. So yes, uh, that's one of the features. You guys have an annual reindeer festival for like 30 years now, I think, right? Yeah, 1988 was our first one where it was literally a small um, grouping of reindeer. And of course, Santa decided to grace us with his presence from the North Pole. Yeah, and that makes it fun. Uh, it's That's a, that, what I want to say, a fun way to experience this zoo, all the animals that are there, as well as this time of year with the reindeer festival that runs, yeah, starting today through almost Christmas Eve, the 23rd, right, of December? Yes, first through the 23rd, and then we did add on a couple extra days from the 26th through the 30th. Oh, fun. So just to keep the fun going. But yeah, so (laughs) Santa's there. I mean, it's fun. So first I want to go, I want to talk about all those things there, Uh, but reindeer, real reindeer. Yes, reindeer are real. (laughs) Yeah, so there is a difference between deer, elk, reindeer, caribou, I don't know, these other hoofed, they have their own classification, I guess. So all of those reside in the family called the cervids or the deer family. But one of my favorite facts about reindeer, if you say reindeer or you say caribou, it's the same species. It is. It is. It's pretty much because of where they live geographically, they've been given different common names. But scientific name, ranger fur, turrendus, 
same species. But some of them fly. Well, of course. Now, is that <laughs> <laughs> this is what the fifth grade or the uh, five year olds must ask, right? And under. Yes. Oh. And actually, I get adults, too. Oh, okay, good. Yep. So we make sure we provide all our information to the best of our abilities. But yes, there is a select herd of Siberian reindeer that do fly. I, I knew it. I just <laughs> knew that had to be real. Um, so uh, let's talk about this reindeer. There's a lot of fun things. Santa, of course, being a, a cool thing for these littlest kids to come and enjoy. Santa has a house there. And, yes. I mean... Every Christmas time, this place is decked out, right? Oh, yes. So for our facility, it does transform from the Cougar Mountain Zoo's last day, being the very last day of November, and then goes into our magical holiday season for that first through the 23rd. And Santa does, when he visits, he is he does have a residency there. And it's something easy for him to jump back and forth in between the North Pole if he does need to go check on the elves as well. So we make sure that all of our species uh, actually do have important tasks as well that help out Santa during this season. And so, kid, what are, let's talk about some of the activities that kids can do and participate in. There's, they can mail a letter to Santa, uh, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. Uh, there's a post office there. Yes. So that's uh, located just at the base of the reindeer area, and that enables kids to be able to write extra letters to him. They can color pictures, too. We provide a lot of fun coloring sheets that have different animals that Santa um, has helped him out during this time. Uh, there's also story time where elves will read um, wonderful holiday stories to little kids and adults. Adults can participate, too, uh, as well as elves that roam the festival to be able to talk about all the animals there and fun holiday facts. So that's kind of cool. Um, zoo employees, I'm going to maybe this time of the morning, maybe some kids are listening. They are dressed up as elves, or maybe they really are elves, but they know enough about the zoo and they're on the grounds, not just in Santa's village there. They're actually out with the animals, right? Definitely. So you have to imagine Santa needs to have a variety of different elves. Elves that help out with the presents, elves that organize the letters, and the elves that take care of the animals. So there are individuals that we do have come down from the North Pole, but the keepers are still there as well to make sure that all of Santa's animal friends are well taken care of. And then uh, this is so different, too. A Santa picture is a tradition many, many, many people do participate in. This is different than at a mall or in a store, right? I mean, it's a bit <laughs> with of a reindeer. Unique. <laughs> <and I know. laughs> so while individuals do um, wait to go visit the big man, they are able to actually stand within just a couple feet of his reindeer. And even at that point, we do have little special treats approved by Santa that all ages can feed. I know, that sounds so cool. Feeding Santa's reindeer. <laughs> while you want to make line. it in with a good man. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Well, that is all so much fun. The, the Reindeer Festival at the Cougar Mountain Zoo. Uh, you guys, what are the hours of this? It's so every it day will be, it's through every December. Day, yep, Monday 20- through Sunday, um, 10.30 to 4.30 or dusk. So and it'll be uh, 10.30 to 3.30 from the 26th through the 30th. All right. Well, that, you know, I don't know if people realize this. So the Cougar Mountain Zoo, it's a nonprofit zoo, right? That's I correct. Mean, you're not part of any city or county's budget. You're in Issaquah, but we you're not, not in Issaquah facility. Nope. How about that? So yeah, and believe it or not, that festival is actually what really helps us out during January, February, and March. Uh-huh. So it is our largest fundraising event during that time. It's and not it's, actually that expensive to go to the zoo. Uh, not really, no. For all the experience you receive, it's it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty th- good way to spend the day. I think it's 12 or 12 and a half bucks for kids, isn't it? Yeah, for the general mission, it does for our fundraising go up to thirteen fifty for the kiddos then, and then fifteen fifty for adults. That's That's pretty easy. Uh, to experience, especially a yeah. fun fun day for Christmas time. Oh yeah, 
Well, let's talk about being a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about some of the other things you do when it's not December. It's not Reindeer Festival, so, but you're there all year round, right? We are. <laughs> um, you're, you're the education curator. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if people even stop and think, well, yeah, zoos have animals, but what's education mean? I mean, why do you even have an education department? And then what is it that you do, Sasha? Absolutely. So education has been found to be one of the key features for conservation efforts nowadays. Zoos were back in the day more utilized for, you know, observing the animals, kind of seeing what it's like to be that close to a tiger or to a macaw. But today we feel at our facility that every single animal is an ambassador. They are there to be able to bring forth information that some people might not have known or to be able to get that one-on-one experience to help impact that person's life. So for us being that nonprofit, uh, it is something that we dedicate pretty much every single day, 24-7, to these animals and their well-being. And in the education department, that is one of the biggest focal points for us. So our motto is conservation through education. Because we have found the more you learn about something, the more you want to help it, and the more that protects them. The conservation through education. I like that. (laughs) Um, Okay, so how do you educate? I mean, people come to a zoo and they want to do what they want to do. They want to visit this exhibit and that exhibit and see that animal. Is there a place where they stop and say, oh, here's an education. I don't want to read a book. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I'm here to look at well, animals. How is that? How do you incorporate that That's into a, great a zoo experience? Question. Oh, so thanks. yes, hey, no, I, I was one. like, I love those. So <laughs> pretty much that is still part of it. We absolutely implore people to go observe these animals, you know, take in their beauty, you know, how special it is to see such an endangered species within close proximity. But what we have are we have docents that roam the facility. So these are people that donate either their time. Um, Some of them are staff, but a lot of them are volunteers that just give a few hours a week to helping our cause. And they're well-educated. They come in um, sometimes clean slates, sometimes with a background, but we're able to provide them information that then they provide to our public. So we always want to make sure that we have someone present, which is why there are signs around the facility about our animals, but we really want to make sure people go to our docents to learn about because you're going to have more of an engaging experience and you'll have probably a lot more uh, answers, you know, from them than you would from the science. Well, that's that's very good point because, yes, we've all gone to zoos or even a museum. A, a zoo is a museum with live animals. That's a variant. Um, and there's a sign in front that says, you know, this is a Bengal tiger, the Bengalese area of uh, the Asian subcontinent, et cetera, et cetera, and there are 3,700 of them left or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the kid might turn to the mom and go, well, which one's bigger, the male or the female? And how much do they eat every day? And so there might be a docent right beside, and what would they be able to just back and forth then, right? They sure could. And that's the biggest part of being that engaging ability with our facility. So having those individuals get those questions answered without having to go to Google or, you know, not being able to find because there's always 20 different answers sometimes. But we have individuals that are have up-to-date information about these species that, yes, males are larger. And the Bengal tiger is the second largest species of tiger to second to that of the Amur tiger. So they're able to continue that information and then provide that insight. And that's the hope too, is especially children, is that if we can get them interested and involved now, that just is going to help out the species in the long run. Yeah. And those follow-up questions are always where, where you really get an education because it's, I'm spurred on one more step. 
So I want the answer. So if it's just a sign, I can't get that follow-up question answered. Exactly. And we do have some individuals that just kind of do like to observe and, and be on their own accord. And for them, we actually have many lectures throughout the day. So there are designated times that you will find during our general zoo operations, so that January through November, where starting at 1030 and pretty much almost on every half hour until 330, we have lectures about the species. No kidding. Yeah. And a lot of times, too, there'll actually be something for the animals to engage with, which is what we call an enrichment. So an enrichment is something provided to these animals, especially in a captive environment, to stimulate them. So either it could be a, a problem-solving toy or a scavenger hunt for them. Um, my favorite is the cougars will sometimes get little pieces of treats hidden around their exhibit to be able to go and look for. Now, for them, their main way for hunting is movement. So this is extra difficult for them, which is what we like. We want to make it a challenge. We don't want bored cats at our facility. We want to make sure they're, they're having a good time. So what you just said there, you educated me a little. The best... Their way of hunting is movement. They have to see something move, and then they're, they're on the hunt. Exactly. They're ambush predators. So for them, they'll track their prey, which in our state, deer are definitely their favorite. What they'll do is they'll be able to sense them, so either by smell or hear them, and then stalk them, wait, and then when they start running, they go after them. So that is their main technique for hunting um, versus saying a wolf that will actually um, have a really good, um, consistent running so they'll be able to out or run their prey pretty much to exhaustion. So that there's different techniques for different predators on how they're able to successfully hunt. Is this how they've learned to tell us hikers what not to do on a trail if we see a cougar or so, a bear or a wolf or an elk? Yes. So they have different ways, and this is how we learn things. Absolutely, especially coexisting so close to carnivores. Uh, in our state, Fish and Wildlife does estimate we have between two to 3,000 cougars in our state every year. Now, quite a few of them are in eastern Washington, but I do know we have some still right here in the Cascades because I got to help study those as well. So it was a time where all my knowledge working at the zoo for many years came into big play out in the wild. Now, I, I kind of want to keep going down this road of uh, local animals, Sasha, if you don't <laughs> mind. I mean, here <laughs> in Washington... Yeah, it, it's we live in a beautiful state, oh, really and do. people do love animals and wildlife more, I think, than in a typical, in, you know, plenty of other states. And we love our wilderness and go outside. The the animals at the Cougar Mountain Zoo. How many Northwest animals do we have there? I mean, we're talking about the cougars and yes, ones that so relate to us who live here and do travel the Cascades hike and visit the Eastern Washington uh, high plateau, et cetera. Yes. So at this time, we are just very fortunate to have three. Um, we, as I mentioned, kind of specialize in unique and endangered. So there's another great facility down south that has all Northwest animals. People are able to go visit them. But our main three species that we have Pacific Northwest would be the cougars, the wolves, and the mule deer. So a little bit of carnivore, a little bit of prey. <laughs> uh, how close are those mule deer to the uh, <laughs> cougar? So my <laughs> joke every tour I give is that we don't tell one species or the other that their friends live in close proximity, but <laughs> it's it's down the way. So. But those wolves must be able to smell uh, that deer. I mean, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> we are talking this morning with Sasha Hendricks. She is the education curator at Issaquah's Cougar Mountain Zoo. Cougar Mountain Zoo is currently in the midst of their, well, just starting actually, yeah, their uh, annual reindeer festival. And again, a lot more online about the Cougar Mountain Zoo, and it's pretty easy to get to it online. Cougar Mountain Zoo. 
Cougarmountainzoo.org, right? That's correct. Cougarmountainzoo.org. All spelled out. <laughs> also on Facebook and Instagram, you have a presence, right? Yes, yes. So it's a great way to be able to kind of get some fun little ins and outs of what's going on in the zoo and during the festival during this next month. Uh, but for a bit more in-depth information, our website is another great way to go. Now, we've been talking, uh, Sasha, about uh, educating for conservation. I guess I didn't make that rhyme. <laughs> conservation <laughs> through education. That's what I meant to <laughs> I say. I love that. I should have known your, your <laughs> line. Uh, but so, and kids, do you do, so you, do you get a lot of field trips in school year, uh, kids, or do you maybe go out to the schools? Or maybe, is it a combination of both? It what is do you a do combination. It? Okay. So our education programs we do currently have, um, one is absolutely our field trips. We get um, thousands of children a year that come by our facility. And during those periods of time, there are those fun activities like those lectures and interacting with docents to learn about our animals. We then have the opportunity, though, to have guided group tours. And that's fantastic because you're actually guided by a um, staff member around the facility, and that's where you'll get the really one-on-one information about those animals. But we do have a program called our um, Educational Outreaches, and that does involve uh, schools being able to have a staff member come out, talk about you know pretty much whatever. We have a wide range of different topics we can cover, and occasionally we can bring an ambassador animal as well. So we have a few of our species that are able to leave our facility. They have been trained uh, to be able to go and be outside and be able to help to talk about them uh, and their wild kin. Wow, how fun mm-hmm. to, to be in your own classroom with an actual, what you call it, an ambassador. Ambassador. Anim- an ambassador yes. animal comes to visit <laughs> at my school. Man, that's got to be fun for a fourth grader. Yes, especially usually the animals we bring are just as smart as a young child, like one of our um, macaws. So they are one of the favorites to go out and about just because of how interactive and how intelligent they are. On average, macaws that we have at our facility can think around a two-year-old mentality. Now, a macaw is like a really big parrot? Correct. Parrot? Okay. It is part of the parrot family. Uh-huh. But I love it because um, all macaws are parrots, but not all parrots are macaws. Okay. And that is based upon genetics, but also a couple physical attributes. So to be part of the macaw uh, grouping, you need to have long pointy tail feathers and an area around their face where there are no feathers called a cheek patch. So it's a fun game we play at the zoo with our kids when they come. All right, we're learning here on the radio today <laughs> uh, from Cougar Mountain Zoo education curator, Sasha Hendricks. Um, and you also talked about the endangered species that you have, kind of focus on them. Mm-hmm. What do you teach? I mean, what's kind of the basic big picture you try and teach people as, uh, you know, you're either having them in uh, and lecturing, you yes. call it a lecture, people <laughs> like to be lectured at, or if you're yes. out on the on a field, you know, to uh, on location to, as an outreach program. What's the big picture about conservation and endangered species? Yes, yeah, so our main focus when we do discuss this is first off, no animal should be in captivity. But the ones that we do have today are here, as we mentioned, to be able to speak for those who can't. So our ones that you'll find at our facility, they're there to be able to provide then that additional information and be able to then do their best to be able to save those that are still around. So we have them there, we you know, give them the best life possible, and they're there truly to be their spokespeople for their wild kin. So in that way, what we're able to do is when people come, they learn about these species, you know, a lot of times we're still even explaining what does endangered mean? You know, what does that entail? What does that mean for the ones in the wild? And then we go from there. So there are a couple species like our macaws where uh, they are sadly critically endangered, and we are 
fortunate enough to be part of a program um, that is part of what's called the Species Survival Plan. And that helps to be able to still have the possibilities of these animals to have genetic diversity in this environment and the potential of being reintroduced back into the wild. So a lot of zoos nowadays play a huge function in trying to maintain those populations that way. So us humans, <laughs> with our history of success and failures in preserving endangered species, that guides us on our next efforts. Mm -hmm. And what'd you say, a sustainable practice? What'd you, what was that phrase you used? The, oh, the species survival plan? Species survival plan yes. has got to be a really big picture then. Is that some kind of national, international scientists get together Both. and say, this is yes. the way we got to do this? <laughs> yes. So there are a certain species uh, based upon their numbers in the wild that we try in this environment to uh, continue their preservations through genetic diversity. Uh, that's happened, sadly, in quite a few areas where they lose either habitat or numbers, and um, inbreeding does occur. And at that point, the viability of genes starts to decline. So having certain animals in this environment helps to be able to uh, maintain that healthy population and therefore hoping to help to increase their population in the wild. Wow. And, you know, as you say that up, just because we're here and it, we're talking Issaquah and Seattle and the rivers and streams that run down our mountain. I thought of salmon too, and that that diversity of the species has mm -hmm. narrowed and narrowed, and really that species uh, is living off of hatchery. Uh, yeah. You know, it's been engineered almost out of its wild nature. And gosh, I hope that just doesn't happen to the animals we love and see yeah we've seen we don't see fish you know every day because they're underwater but and it's fantastic to see you know then their effect when you do unfortunately start to see a decline it does affect the rest of the ecosystem uh, a large one that occurred and it's amazing to see the recovery efforts that have happened is wolves so wolves in yellowstone were removed many many years ago and you start to see an ecological effect on the environment and then they reintroduced the wolves, and it took almost 30 years to see the importance of why they need to be there. And that reestablished the forest, it reestablished the rivers, just to show, hey, these animals need to be here. They're kind of an important part of the, the world. Because when one uh, animal makes a hole because of their disappearance mm -hmm. in the system, something else fills it up, whether it's too many beavers damming rivers or too many kinds of I don't know, grasses or bushes being uh, overgrowing an area because some animal now that used to eat them isn't there. Yep. Or vice versa, the animal's yeah. there, it's eating too much. <laughs> and so, can I go, keep going on wolves now? Yeah. They have been reintroducing wolves, like you said, in Yellowstone yes. and a few other places. Mm -hmm. They've There's some wolf packs that have now migrated into our state again, haven't there? So amazingly enough, originally the last wolf that was reported in Washington state was 1930. Oh, man. Starting in 2008, they started to come back on their own. So they came from Canada, they came from Montana, Idaho, Oregon, and have reestablished packs enough that they have been delisted on the eastern side of Washington because their numbers have gone to such a degree, which is fantastic. Personally, I prefer the animals to be able to come back on their own, but they do sometimes and often need human help. So an, another cool fact too, is Fish and Wildlife this year did confirm we have our first wolf pack on the west side of the mountains since 1930. No up kidding. in Skagit County. Wow, that's awesome. It is fantastic news to hear. They are they're reestablishing at their rate. So that is really cool. That's great to see that because now we can educate ourselves. We have unfortunately learned from the past, oh, let's kill these things. They eat my sheep, you know, or whatever the animal might be that with buffalo or the biggest thing. It just 
prize for their pelt, and there used to be millions and millions and millions of mm-hmm. them, but now there's you know very few. Um, but now, as we as they come back slowly, we can say, here's what we ought to do as people and animals, and we can figure out a way to coexist. Conservation people are so into that. I'm glad people like you are taking note of these (laughs) numbers. Thank you. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest efforts even occurring right now in Washington State is that coexisting with carnivores. And there's a lot of research being done currently even in eastern Washington to kind of understand, hey, so these wolves are coming back. Well, cougars are still there too. So they're doing a lot of research understanding does one impact the other, and then we still want to do our best to still make sure that the livelihood of ranchers and farmers is is going well. And that's the biggest point that's being tried done. And even at our facility, that's what we talk about as well. So we do our best to, you know, take the myths away of the big bad wolf, you know, understanding these animals are very secretive. That is why we know so little. It's because for so long they just kept to themselves. Yeah. And the more we understand them, then the more we can have that reestablishment occur and our ecosystems really kind of hitting that strong point once again. Hey, Sasha, we are going to run out of time now. Is there one or two last things about either the Cougar Mountain Zoo or the Reindeer Festival that we ought to hit in here before we run out of time here? Because we've really uh, gone through it here today, tried to hit all the points of the Cougar Mountain Zoo. We can't do it in a half hour. (laughs) There's a lot to talk about. Um, So, yes, again, come visit us at the Isquah Reindeer Festival. Not only is it a spectacular holiday event, proceeds generated all go back to the animals at the zoo and our educational functions. So you really know you're not having just a good time, you're helping out in conservation as well. Oh, great point. It's it's a, a good, you know, win-win scenario. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a lot of fun. As mentioned, lots of fun things. You can uh, have that story read to you by an elf. We're actually going to be doing some fun games on the weekends as well, and hopefully some other um, interactions going on. So if you just want to come visit Santa, great. But just to let you know, there'll be a lot more fun things to do. Yeah. Uh, again, online, cougarmountainzoo.org. That's it. Hey, thank you so much. We have been talking today with education curator at the Cougar Mountain Zoo, Sasha Hendricks. Sasha, I want to thank you again for coming in today and sharing about the Cougar Mountain Zoo and the Reindeer Festival. And a bigger thanks for, like you said, what the Cougar Mountain Zoo is doing for animals and their habitats here in the Northwest and around the world. Thank you, Gary. It was a pleasure. If you'd like to hear this interview again, it will be available on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts within a few days. Just search Spotlight with Gary Scheip. I am Gary Scheip. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.